Okay, top of the morning, Siva Shalom, Salonim Rebbe, Pasha's Yisro. Pasha's Yisro is uh, action-packed with incredible Torah. This is the birth of our people. This is the most seminal moment of all of history when the Jews received the Torah, which transformed the world, gave us our mission, and provided us the blueprint for the way that life is meant to be led. So the Salonim Rebbe, we're going to look at uh, a short piece. Because I know it's Arab Yeshiva week, everyone's got a place to be. It's called Dvaram Ba'ila Lemor, not everyone, most of us. God spoke all of these things, Kol Hadvaram, all these things, Lemor saying. So two of those words seem superfluous. Why does it have to say Kol Hadvaram? Just say God spoke Hadvaram. This is what Hashem had to say. And if he said it, he obviously meant it to be shared. So why do you have to say Lemor? So normally when it says Lemor, it's directed to Moshe or to Moshe and Aaron or to Moshe, Aaron and the Zikanim, and they're given permission to take what they've been told and to communicate it, to pass it on further. In fact, the Gemara learns from the fact that the Torah always, always uses the word Lemor, the default is you're not allowed to repeat something unless you have permission to repeat it. Meaning, is the default that everything is public information unless someone tells you, don't tell anyone? Or is the default that something is private unless someone says, feel free to tell anyone you want? So I would have thought it's public information unless they add the disclaimer, don't tell anyone. But the Gemara learns from this word, Lemor, that every time Hashem says to Moshe something, he says, Lemor. He says, look, this I'm giving you permission to repeat. And we see from here the default is anything told to you is told to you in confidence. It's told to you privately unless it's explicitly clear that you're allowed to repeat it. So the Islam Rebbe is asking, but why do you need to say the word Lemor here? To whom is Moshe supposed to relay this? To whom is he supposed to tell it? Everyone was there at Har Sinai. They all heard it directly from the Ribbon Shalom. So what's the Lemor? Otsarach Bir. Madukas of Mishnah Torah, Raki Shamar Lachoshmur Nashkam, Upendishkach, Dvarm Haila, as Advar Mashero Enacha, Upenyasur Milvavcha, Koye Mechayacha. So we're going to say later in Sefer Dvarim, one of the daily remembrances, one of the daily reminders is, be careful and guard yourself. Don't ever forget what your eyes saw. And don't ever let it stray from your heart all the days of your life what you experienced. It was unbelievable. It was monumental. It was life-changing. It was transformative. And don't let it ever become stale. We just had this incredible week with the Israeli soldiers. And I was talking to the hosts. And, you know, you come off of a week like that. I remember you came back from our Poland trip. You come back from March of the Living. You come back from certain trips to Israel. And you think like, oh, it'll never be the same again. Oh, we're going to be so tight. I'm going to talk to them every day. And this is my new cult. And, my... and then a week, a month, six months later, you're like, who? Who's that? It's very easy for these things to wear off. And the challenge is how do you keep the energy? How do you extract the experience? And how do you have it make a permanent impression on you? So the Torah says, well, you just experienced at Har Sinai. It's transformative. It's incredible. Let it last. Don't ever forget all the days of your life. When was this told in Sefer Dvarim? At the end of the 40 years of wandering through the desert. All those who had merited to leave Egypt had passed away in the desert. Due to the Chet Egel and due to the Chet Maraglim, they all died in the desert. Only those who were less than 20 merited to go from the desert into Israel. And they don't remember. So what do you mean? Don't ever forget what you saw, what you experienced, what transformed you. Who are you talking to? You're talking to the next generation. Everything the Torah says 
is eternal. It's permanent. It has resonance for people in every generation. It's contemporary, no matter when you're alive. So what does the Torah mean when it says, don't forget the things you saw with your eyes? Hi, I was born way after Kabbalah's Torah. I didn't see it with my eyes. How could I be commanded? How could there be an instruction in the Torah, which remains in perpetuity, telling me, don't forget what you saw with your eyes, when I never saw it with my eyes? And why the double language? Be careful, guard yourself, and be very careful to guard your soul, not to ever forget these things. So the Islam Rabbi Kedarka B'Kodesh lists a series of questions here. Number one, why does it say kol advarim? Just say advarim. Why does it say lemor? You have permission to tell it over. Anyone whom you would have told it to was already there. Number three, why does it say later in Sefer Dvarim, just be careful, don't forget. Who are you talking to at the end of the 40 years? The people who were there aren't alive anymore. So you're telling the next generation who wasn't even there, don't forget what you never even were there to see. And lastly, why does it say, if we're reading the Torah today, mm-hmm. and Tavshin Ayin Tess, and it's still supposed to be speaking to us today, and we never saw it with our eyes. V'yeshlomar, the Zohar on last week's parsha, yesterday's parsha, says about the Shira, when it says, Az Yashir, Moshe, and so on, Vayomru Lemor, Ladare Darin. Lemor is Ladare Darin for generation to generation. Vahainu Shechnisu Koach Ba'amirasan Ladare Doros. Lemor Ba'olam Azeh, Vahlemor Ba'olam Haba. Shikoach Hashira Vaharasa, Him Nitzchim Ladare Doros. Shihudi Yachol Tamid Lomar Shira. The impact and the power of the Shira was so strong. What they had experienced, where everything came together and everything made sense, and all the dots on the canvas formed a picture, or all the threads on the back of the embroidery, you turned it around and you saw what it, what it made. Mm-hmm. And they responded spontaneously. They erupted with a sense of Shira. That feeling, that experience, the power of that Shira wasn't just for the moment. Unlike what I just described about so many of our experiences in camp or on a trip or on a mission or, or Poland or Israel where it fades and it fades away, the Shira captured the experience of something which was everlasting and passed not only from generation to generation, but from this world to the world to come. That's what it means. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke at Har Sinai, it wasn't a momentary speech. He didn't speak so only those present could hear. He spoke, and those words continued to reverberate, and they continued to, um, they continued to ring in our ears eternally, until today. Meaning there are such events in human history whose impact continued to be felt, that even those who weren't present feel as if they were there because the reverberations continue so strong. The reverberations transcend generations. The reverberations are not bound by time and space. So you continue to feel them. Even if you weren't there, you continue to feel its impact. Right? Lahabdil in the opposite direction. You have the Holocaust. Baruch Hashem, none of us were in the Holocaust. Two are children of survivors, and others are grandchildren of survivors. But the Holocaust, while we were never there and can't compare ourselves to those who endured or experienced it, but Ki'ilu Ro'e Necha. We saw the people who lived it, we've heard their stories, and, and we know their, their survival. So it reverberates. It will continue to reverberate in the ears of the Jewish people for a long time. As it says, the Pesach in Yeshaya, 
May his merit protect us. The Gemara Chagiga, Binyan Hashem Akadosh Shaddai, Shin Dalad Yud, Shakai, Shamar La Olam Dai. That name of Hashem, each name of Hashem reflects a different power or energy or strength of Hashem. And that's why we choose to use different names in different circumstances. And this name of Hashem means that He said to the world, Die. The Bishash, Amar Kadosh Borchi, Hirakia, Hechelo, Rakiam, Liz Pashet. When Hashem said there should be a Rakia, so the Rakiam began to spread out. Vamar Kadosh Borchu, as Hashem, Shakai. And Hashem said his name, Shin Dalad Yud. Enough! You've spread out enough. If you dissipate, if you, if you spread out even further, then you'll, you'll fall apart. So Kodesh Baruch Hu, whenever the Torah employs that name, Shem Dalad Yod of Hashem, it means Hashem is looking and He's saying, Enough. This name of Hashem is a holy name of Hashem. It's eternal. So what do you mean that the name is used to describe one moment in time where he turned to that thing and he said, enough? The answer is that that description of history is not just part of the past, it's something which is eternal. It means that when we read the story of Maisa Bereshis, and the Rakia, the heavens began to spread, and Hashem said, good, stop. That's perfect, just the way it is. Don't spread anymore. Don't contract anymore. Don't spread anymore. So what are you telling me that story? And why are you using that name of Hashem? That was 6,000 years ago, and we've moved on since then. So Islam Rebbe has explained, no. You see, the Rakia still wants to spread itself. And Akash Baruch Hu, the only reason it stays fixed and firm where it is, and doesn't spread itself anymore, which would compromise our whole existence, is Kekilu Akash Baruch Hu continues to say, Die! That name of Hashem that the Torah recorded as telling the Rakia to hold itself in place wasn't just a piece of history. It's not part of the past. It's something which is continuing to happen over and over again. So similarly, The moment of Aseris Adibras, the giving of the Torah, which transformed our people and gave our people a purpose and formed and forged us into a covenantal community. We were not just some random political entity or nation. We weren't France, England, Germany, Australia, South Africa. We weren't America. We weren't some country who had no mandate. We were transformed to be this covenantal community that we have a mission to fulfill in this world. So that moment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu transformed us and He gave us the Torah and He said, here is the blueprint to the world. Here's the instruction manual to life. Go be that mamlechas koanim. Go be that nation of priests. Go teach the world how to relate to food and sexuality and time and space and relationships and pleasure. Go teach the world how to relate to everything. What it means, that was not a momentary gift. That is something that repeats itself over and over. Just like, oh, we finished Torah. But just like in Birchas HaTorah, we end not Nasan HaTorah, God gave the Torah. Birchas HaTorah end with Hashem continues to give. Who is the Lemor if everyone was there? The Lemor is to us. Every generation, every new child who is initiated into Torah, every Batshuva, every Ger, every one of us who's reinitiated back into Torah, the Torah is Lemor. It is speaking directly to us. We're not reading an old document that was given to our ancestors. But you know what, huh? It has some relevance to us. We might as well embrace some of its messages. We're learning a document, we're learning words that weren't given to our ancestors. They were given and re-given to us over and over and over again. One of my favorite Divrei Torah, I've said many times, is uh, it says also there in Sefer Dvarim when it recounts the experience of Harsinai from this week's parsha. it says, Kol gadol velo yasaf. 
that what the people heard was a great sound, a great voice, Velo Yasaf. What does the word Velo Yasaf mean? So, um, if you look, there's a Machlokas, Unklus, the Ramban, the Ibn Ezra, Rash, the Sforno, they all weigh in. What is the word Velo Yasaf? Harsin Hashem spoke to the people, it was a great voice, Velo Yasaf. So two of them, of course, half of them explain, Lo Yasaf means never to be repeated again. That moment of revelation, where two to three million people heard Hashem's voice directly, that was a greater revelation than Asher Makos or Kriyas Yamsuf. It was the greatest and singular revelation of all time. You stood at our Sinai and we heard Hashem's voice. We don't even know what that means. The anthropomorphism of Hashem taking on a voice. He only said the first Dibros that Moshe had to take over. Whatever it even means, we can't even relate to it. We can't even imagine it. We can't even describe it. We can't even reenact it. But whatever it means, it was a singular moment of divine revelation that has never been repeated since. So Kol Gadol, it was a great voice, V'lo Yasaf, never ever to be repeated again. There's another pshat, the others argue and they say, Unklus and others, V'lo Yasaf means, V'lo Yasaf means it never stopped. It never ended. It was a sound so great. You know, you scream into the Grand Canyon, you hear that echo, 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 echo. So eventually, after a few seconds, it ends, the echo. But the Rebona Shalom and Harsinai's voice was such a Kol Gadol, it was such a, a, a strong sound, it was such a strong voice, it's continuing to reverberate. The echo continues to be heard thousands of years later and will continue to be heard till the end of time. So when I quoted in the drusha when I originally gave this, and I said, okay, so who's right? Which of the Mephorshim are right? Velo Yasaf means it never happened again, or does Velo Yasaf means it never stopped? And I suggested the answer is, it's up to us. It's both. If your antenna's up and you pick up the message and you hear the reverberation, then it never stopped. And if your antenna's down and you're not listening carefully and closely, then it's never to be heard again. Whether those sounds are heard is entirely dependent on our antenna. So the, the, the echo of Torah is so, the experience of Harsinai is so powerful, so great. And we go back to it. We go back to those Harsinai moments in our lives when uh, well, we had the privilege of being in Montana together. But you see a Kurdish Baruch Hu's incredible nature. And you see these magnificent scenes, the greatest there's no artist like the Ribbon Shalom. There's no artist. There's no artwork you could pay all the money in the world for to see what a Kirish Baruch Hu painted himself. The portrait, the canvas that a Kirish Baruch Hu created. Those are Harsinai moments. You learn a Shtikal Torah that changes your life. That you literally make a change in your life, that Shtikal Torah. You are back at Harsinai. You have an experience with a person, you see something that touched you so deeply. You make contact with something greater than yourself. Those are Harsinai moments where the antenna is up and you re-experience what it means to be back in Harsinai. You know, there's a, um, a woman came up to me after the end of the Parsha class and she asked me, did you ever hear of the hidden shul of Terejitzdat? Anyone here ever hear of it? It's an amazing thing. It was only discovered several years ago, less than a decade ago. And, and she said, I had heard of it. And she said, that was my father who created it. And she, then this last Parsha year gave me a manila envelope with a few articles to read. So I hadn't read them. I brought them to my Shabbos table yesterday. I read them. My whole Shabbos table was crying. My kids crying their eyes out. It's an unbelievable story of her father who sent, he had two daughters, sent the two of them away on the kinder transport to England. They survived. So the last time they saw their parents when they were sent on the kinder transport. And uh, he was, grew up in Germany, was a chazan, was an artist, and taught children. And uh, ended up in Theresienstadt. And in Theresienstadt, this is an unbelievable story. Her sister in England, the one who comes to my Pasha class, Married, built a family, lived in Detroit, and but it's down here because gravity brings all Jews down to South Florida at some point. So 
um, when her sister in England, who never had children, passed away, she went to England to pay a shiva call, and a cousin came to pay the shiva call to such an event. A cousin came to pay a shiva call and said, you know, I was just in Theresienstadt, would you like to see pictures? Shows her pictures and says, would you want to hear an incredible story? She says, you know, when I was, when I was there, um, there was a Czech villager, a poor man, who, who said to me, if you make it worth my while, I'll show you something incredible. So I gave her $20, that was enough to make it worth his while, and he showed me that after the war, he came back to reclaim his house, which was in the concentration camp, because the Germans had taken even people's homes away to add them onto the camp. And uh, only a few years ago, his wife wanted to expand the kitchen. So he went to go knock down his wall to open up next to it to be able to expand the kitchen. And he sees through the hole in the wall he created this ancient script on the walls, and he goes to his priest because he's superstitious, he doesn't want to touch it. And the priest says, that's Hebrew writing, don't touch it, God will curse you if you touch it. And, and he takes this cousin not knowing at all it's related, to see this room. And it turns out that in Theresienstadt, in, in, a, in a room the size of a walk-in closet, someone had made a, sh- a shul, a makeshift shul, with psukim around it, including the most poignant and powerful, V'choza shim cholo shachachnu, na'al tishkacheinu. With all this we haven't forgotten your name, Hashem, don't forget us. Anyway, she sees, so the cousin shows her the pictures of, isn't that amazing? And she recognizes the font of the writing on the walls is the font that her father had inscribed the sitter he gave to her when he sent her away on the kinder transport. It's the same font. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story now. The bottom line is, she realizes her father was the artist who made this shul. She goes and she, through Yad Vashem, she proves it. And now it's part of, if you tour Theresienstadt, you see the hidden shul of Theresienstadt, how he was able to make a shul when he was there. And he never lost his amuna. And he was deported from Theresienstadt to Auschwitz, where he was gassed on the day he arrived there. But when she was talking about this once, someone who was on the train but later survived described how her father never stopped his amuna on the train from Theresienstadt to Auschwitz, called the children over, was singing with them and telling them stories about Amuna and Hashem and his greatness. Anyway, you read this whole story about building a shul in Theresienstadt and how he acted on the train to Auschwitz. That's contact with Harsinai. Not a happy, good, positive Harsinai, but the fact that people could maintain that Amuna in those moments is, is to build that shul... You know, I was saying with my kids there, I want to go to that shul. That's got to be one of the holiest places on earth. In that camp, to see everything going on, to send your children away, to know what's going to happen to you, and to have the wherewithal to make a shul and to say, to say, we'll never forget you, no matter what you're doing to us. That's how I That's unbelievable, these moments. So if your antenna's up, then you'll hear Hashem's message reverberating in your ears, whether it's in Montana, or whether it's in the shul in Theresienstadt, or whether it's in the labor room of a child being born, or whether it's on a sunrise on a beach, or whether it's in whatever that moment is. And if your antenna's down, then the message can be in your face, and you'll ignore it. You won't see it. You'll deny it. It all depends on us and our antenna. Why is One of the questions the Slanamar asked. He said, because all of these kolos and vrakim, all the sights and sounds that surrounded Kabbalah Satorah, they're also nitzchim, they're eternal. Shem chelek mi Kabbalah Satorah. Kamukubo shebe'esh alam adabesh, ta'kadosh em talmid ha'kadoshim. And the Ba'ashem Tov learned with the holy students, ha'yishomem him as a kolos and vrakim, she'kadma l'mayim in Sinai. And the holy Ba'ashem learned with his students, the experience was so transformative and so powerful that they heard the sights and the sounds. They heard the lightning, the, they saw the thunder, they saw the lightning and heard the thunder, although the Torah has it the opposite way, um, because they, had, they were transported back to Sinai, And we've had that too. You ever been at a tish? You ever heard a shir? You ever heard a shmooz that, that moved you so that you heard the kolos of rakim? Mamish, your, your life was, was rattled, was shaken. 
you, you re-examine everything you thought previously to be true. Why? Because when our antenna is up, not only do we continue to hear the words reverberating, but kol hadvarim. The kol is, even now, we can continue to tap into the experience of the thunder and the lightning. Kol The kol is to tell me it's not just the words, it's the emotional experience as well. It's the idea of chinach. Every teacher in a classroom should, should recreate when a child walks out of a, of a class with a teacher who loves them, whose passion, who has energy. There should be lightning and thunder in that classroom. The kolos of Rakim. Our, our mission is not just to, to um, transmit the dvarim. Our mission is to transmit the kol hadvarim, the whole experience, the emotional experience of learning Torah. To the degree that we prepare ourselves. By the way, they didn't walk into Harsinai unprepared either. If you're not preparing, you're not going to be holy. So if you walk into the Shir or the experience of Talmud Torah or the Daf, you walk into seeing nature, you walk into whatever moment it is and you're not prepared to see Hashem, you're not going to see Him. Just like Harsinai took preparation. The students of the Baal Shem Tov who were worthy of this heard this literally. So now he explains his last question. Why does the Pasuk later in Dvaram use a double language? It's redundant. Just say one. The answer is because one is the guf and one is the nefesh. If you want to have your antenna up, you want to feel Hashem, then you have to be worthy. And how are you worthy? If you're some you know, disgusting, promiscuous, licentious, lewd, decadent, depraved, morally corrupt person, you're not going to be able to feel a Kodesh Baruch in your life. You have to live with a certain level of, of purity. You have to carry yourself with a certain level of purity in speech, in dress, in action, in what we look at with our eyes, in what we say with our mouth. If we want to be able to feel the pure messages that are being transmitted, then you have to be able, otherwise it's going to be static. If you live with static, you're going to get a static message. If you live with purity, you're going to get a pure sound and a pure message across. The Mishnah or the Brisa says in the sixth parak of Avos that every day a baskol emanates from Har Sinai. Why don't we hear the baskol? And if we don't hear it, what's the point of it going out? So the Bryson Avos says, every day a baskol goes out from Har Sinai. Every day the sound continues to reverberate. So, if we don't hear it, what's the point of it going out? And, and, if, uh, and why don't we hear it? If it's going out, why don't we hear it? You see a Balchuva, that was the Baskol going out. You see a Ger, that was the Baskol going out. You had an experience where you had a davening that lit you on fire, you heard a schmooze or a shear, you had an experience with your family on vacation, forging memories, you did something that that transformed you, that was the Halig Baskol. He says, you may not hear it externally. It's not like, you know, quick, grab your iPhone, record the baskol. Today's baskol is coming out. Quick, get it on tape. You can't record the baskol. You don't hear it 
with your body. You may not even hear it, so to say, with your soul. But you know where you hear it? The Pneumius Hanashama. Inside you, the, the Pintala Yid, the Jew inside you, the best version of yourself, the place inside you where you know it's really true and you know it's everlasting and you know what's eternal and immortal. The place inside you that's godly. That place, the Pneumius Hanashama, Shomea Yehudiosa, you hear that sound. That thing that's lit on fire in that right moment and it continues to carry you and it draws you. That incredible ni'ilah, the amazing concert, the amazing shmuz, the speaker who transformed you. So similarly, Every time you have the thoughts of doing tshuva, you're moved to want to transform your life. And the hurum ledvarim tovim. Or you think, you know what? I got to get involved. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to lead that charge. I'm going to initiate. I'm going to give that staka. I'm going to show up for that chesed. I'm going to participate in that shir. I want to change the world. I have this vision or mission. I want to make an everlasting difference. I want to change the world. <clears throat> that hearer, that thought that comes, that comes every now and then, harei mikoach, you know that thought emanated from the Pneumius HaNeshama. It came from deep inside you. It came in that place that wants to go back to Har Sinai. It came from that place that's still listening, that's still tuned into Har Sinai. How do you get there? How do you extend the antenna? How do you lift the antenna? How do you fine tune? How do you tune the antenna so you can hear? the reverberations in the message of our Sinai, through Hishamerecha, Ushmor Nafshecha, when we take care of our guf and our neshama. If we act, we dress, we act, we go, we look, we see, we say, if we act properly in thought and speech and action, then we have prepared ourselves. We're now, our antenna is able to pick up that message. If you don't, then don't look and say, well, why is there no Hashem? And why don't I ever hear anything? Why don't I ever feel anything? And why aren't I inspired? With several people in the shul who, who reach out to me every now and then, we have lunch, we have coffee. I don't feel anything. I need you to inspire me. Inspire me. I don't feel anything. I want to be inspired. Inspire me. I say, buddy, I love you. You don't come to shul. You don't come to classes. You don't listen to davening. You don't listen to messages of nature. You don't, what are you investing? in? What do you think? You're going to sit back on your couch, sip in a beer, and you're going to feel inspiration? It just doesn't work that way. Where are you? What's your investment in feeling inspiration? What are you putting in? What are you doing to extend your antenna? The messages are all around. Har Har Sinai continues to reverberate. What are you doing to pick up the signal? Where's your investment? Where's your openness? Where do you have a curiosity? Are you investigating? Are you researching? Are you inquiring after Hashem? Are you looking for Him? It's like lying back on the couch saying, Honey, I don't feel any love for you. Make me feel love for you. Say something that makes me feel love for you. I don't really feel any affection towards you. Do something to make me feel affection towards you. That's not how it works. That's not how it goes. Do not try that at home. So, Similarly here, we have to, Hishamer Ushmor, what are we doing to extend that antenna? How are we living life to look for the messages all the time all around us and to absorb them, to hear them, to allow them to penetrate to our inner being, to the Panemius Hanishama, to capture that experience and to let it carry us forward, not just to move on, not to have it fade away. That warning, lest it leave our heart all the days of our life. What is the night? Night always represents the time of darkness, doubt, uncertainty, feeling overwhelmed, feeling confused. 
When the material world is overwhelming a person. When do we need to most be attuned to and listen to the messages of our Sinai? Dafka during the nighttime. When you're feeling doubt, when you're feeling uncertainty, when you're feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, by pressure, by the material responsibilities, then you have to tap into the message of Harsinai to recalibrate. The word of Hashem is speaking to us no matter what. We're having success or we're having struggle. We're, we're celebrating triumph or we've just had a disappointment. No matter what state, no matter what stage of life, whether it's the day where there's clarity and hope, we just landed an incredible deal, or we just performed an incredible surgery, or we just completed an amazing uh, jerusha, whatever the case may be for any of us here. Right? So in those moments of the day, of the morning, of the light, of clarity, it's easy to have a little skip in your step and say, oh, there's a Hashem, and there's a Rebun Shalom, and I feel like I'm at Harsinai, and I love you, Hashem, you're the best. What about when it fails? What about when you bomb? What about when there's a disappointment? What about when it doesn't work out or there's a struggle? Do you feel Harsinai then too? Is it because Baruch Hu running your world in those moments as well? That's the kol yemechayecha, kol rabas halelos, that the dvar Hashem medaber al Yehudi, the word of Hashem is speaking to us, bechol hamatzavim in any situation or circumstance we find ourselves, Hashem continues to speak to us. The only question is, are we listening?